It's like I'm having the most beautiful dream. And the most terrible nightmare all at once. Hey you. Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Waru Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Okay, I think everything is in order. I'm going to check. Do the obligatory technical stream check just to make sure everything is looking okay. Do the obligatory technical stream. Uh, And it is... So, hello everyone. Uh, it is I, the Subtle Doctor. Very nice to meet you visually, sort of. Um, it's Waru Desho, the Stream of Thought, live, live on stage for your glorious viewing pleasure. And uh, to to my left uh, is the artist formerly known as Shadon. Uh, <laughs> it appears that I'm going to be uh, going it alone because Sir not appearing in this podcast is the only other co-host that I have. Sorry, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, how are we all doing? Oh boy, um, I see. You this is probably the first time I've had a video like of me out speaking where I'm not actually yelling about fighting games. So this is a fresh experience for me. Mm-hmm. Although, admittedly, this is the worst chat, chat roulette I've ever been on. I apologize. Go in the side. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're not drawing penises or anything like that, so it's okay. Yet, yet. Uh, there's still time. We've got about an hour and a half yet before the dicks start flying. Well, this, hey, it's banana fish, right? That will be... Well, yeah, it would be topical. It would be topical. Um, so how are you doing? 
I'm How's great. It's Friday. It's Friday evening. I have a beer in hand, and I'm going to talk about a show that is not Darling in the Franks for fucking once in my miserable life. Holy shit. Let's go I... ahead and get this out of our system because we've talked so much Franks, and I mean, I feel like every episode we could just be like, this show is not like Darling in the Franks for these reasons. But, I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's a tremendously better show. But just for now, and then we'll put a moratorium on it, I just want to say, thank Christ we're watching a different show. Well, I will drink to that, my friend. Cheers. Kampai. Get, get in the Hobgoblin uh, product placement here, folks. <laughs> They're going to pay me all, you know, the YouTube books, and probably also mean we'll end up, you know, having this stream banned, but... Hey, if Red Letter Media can get away with it, I can too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sanrio, don't, uh, don't look. Don't look in the corner there. Um, <laughs> okay. So we're here to talk about Banana Fish. It's Stream of Thought. Stream of Thought Live. Uh, the very first streamed Stream of Thought. Like, we're breaking new ground here. It's true. It's true. Um, and as such, things might be a little rocky. Uh, we want to like count on you guys to, uh, you know, keep uh, keep us informed if the stream goes wonky, like or you can't hear someone or whatever. This is very new for us. No safety yeah. net. <laughs> we we've done a couple tests, but like, um, but yeah, this is it. This is the real deal. We are yep. we're well, doing we're taking Bill O'Reilly's uh, words to heart. <laughs> we're doing it live. Exactly. I mean, we are probably a bad podcast, so mm-hmm. it would make sense for it to be a probably a bad live stream. Oh, it's it could be it's going to be worse. It's going to be so much worse. People are <laughs> so, going to yes, see. That's... People are going to see like the like the magic of your editing. It's going to be like God. Doc <laughs> is like a stuttering fool who just like launches into thoughts and then abandons them. Well, it's okay. I've already established myself as a raging alcoholic by drinking on video for the very first time that we've actually done it. So <laughs> don't worry. We're, we're breaking new, better, and worse ground simultaneously. You know, we're covering all the bases here. Uh, but as Doc has rightly asserted, folks, if anything does go awry with the stream, such as the audio quality, the video quality, or if, you know, some local scrope bag from my neighborhood is coming behind me and is, you know, about to hit me with a baseball bat, uh, please feel free to chime in. This will be interactive. Um, but please also don't get me docs while you're asking. I would very much appreciate no doxing. I've had enough run-ins in the police in my time. I don't want any more. Here, here. Uh, I should tell the story one day about how I was almost arrested. But with that to you? Turn, of, we'll all, <laughs> of all people, you. Yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Like... I've, I've ridden in the back of a cop car cuffed uh, and was <laughs> taken down to the station. Was it a case of mistaken identity? I mean, we, you, we can't. You know, but we can't. Not... We can't. We can't do this. Here. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> we no have time. to try to keep. We have to try to keep it. Okay. So one of the many things that we have Shadon and I discussed about Stream of Thought is, you know, they're getting pretty long now. We've we've done a number of two hour episodes covering a 22 minute piece of animation. So we want to try to streamline this. And we also wanted to further distinguish it from our normal brand of show, which is sort of mm-hmm. the heavily edited variety show type thing. So we thought, hey, a live stream, because that's mm-hmm. entirely the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> it's new for us. That's the way to describe it. 
So we hope you enjoy it. Give us feedback on what you think we need to figure out. Normally the introductions probably won't be this long, but I thought a little bit of a preamble would be necessary. We're getting it, we're getting it out of the way, getting it out of our system. Mm -hmm. So let's do our usual dance and... Uh, <laughs> what? Okay. First live show and i have the wrong window up <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the creatives involved with me you know no 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 actually before we do that before we talk about the the who's uh mm -hmm. let's just clarify for the audience our own perspective coming into this um i think it's the same for both of us that like mm -hmm. i i myself have never read banana fish um i have no experience with the manga or the mangaka um and it's just a totally fresh work for me. I'm judging it on its own merits. And, like, yeah, I mean, I think that is that will be interesting. There will be other resources that people can reach out to and find, like, oh, yes, okay. Uh, I want to see how it stacks up with the source material or whatever. But, mm -hmm. um, but this will be taking a look at just the visual production, just the anime, and judging it as a standalone work. So we won't really be able to comment yeah. on its faithfulness or non-faithfulness as an adaptation. Sorry. Yeah. Go, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> now that they're re-releasing Banana Fish, I mean, we can amend that. You know, I, I could very well go out and, and pick up that manga, but I think it's really long, though, um, which is a which is mm. a deterrent. Um, I mean, finishing my lesbian experience with loneliness took me a week when it should have taken me an hour, so... Yeah, I'm going to put that one on the back burner for a while now. Um, but yeah, my knowledge of Banana Fish basically starts and ends with its reputation as just being really good. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much is the primary reason why I said to Doc, right, okay, we're not watching any more shit. At least not for the time being, right? I'm burned out on shit. So we need to watch something that at least we feel is probably going to be good based on its reputation. Like, no original works, no, you know, not going you know, cold on this stuff. We need to have something that we have some knowledge of prior to this mm -hmm. and this is why we've ended up picking it so hopefully that holds true and that it does live up to the reputation the manga has garnered for itself i hope yes uh, now i did i did know a few things about it um i did know like uh zaprinfro points out in the chat that it is very gay uh I, <laughs> I was aware of that going in i also knew it was a cool crime drama and i mean call me a basic bitch if you will a basic boy. Uh, but I love crime dramas. I love mafia stories so much. Mm -hmm. And I love anime. And so when you get an anime crime drama, an anime, whether it's like a police procedural or from the mm -hmm. criminal side, like 91 Days or Gungrave, like I eat that shit up. I just, I love it. And so, like I've seen in a couple different reviews that like, oh... So Banana Fish is great, but you won't be blown away by the twist because they're pretty genre standard for mafia stories. And I'm just like, yes, mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> grab hands, yes. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa, careful. No, gra no grabby hands. We talked about characters who have grabby hands before, and we know we don't like. But I'm in agreement. Like, I mean, 91 Days is probably the comparable anime entry that I've seen, you know, someone who basically hasn't watched shit for his entire life as far as anime goes. I'm still behind on everything. And yeah, 91 Days was very standard. Like, you know, the plot twists, the way that the story went, the characters, it all felt 
pedestrian, quote unquote. And I'm saying that with quote quotes because that doesn't mean that it was bad. It was really good. It was slick. It was a really piece, really well done piece of entertainment. So when people say, you know, Banana Fish has got like, you know, the same standard <clears throat> plot lines going through, it's common to a lot of crime fiction. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm game. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it goes. It's not a question of, you know, repeating the same old stuff, so it's just how well it does it, like how well honed it is. Absolutely. Originality, overrated. Execution mm-hmm. is king, IMO. Um, but okay, now let's talk about. You need to see Gungrave, by the way. Can I just say? We and need to, we need to else, watch it. Everything else. It's, it's, right, well, it's so good. Well, <laughs> it's well, so good. Well, I do have this handy, so if you just give me two seconds, I'll write this down. All right. All right. While watch. you're writing it down, let me just dis- disseminate some yeah, information yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so this is a Studio Mappa show. Uh, and you might remember Studio Mappa for um, that gigantic breakout 2016 success, Yuri on Ice. Anyone remember that show? That was a good show. I like that I show. I have to say, I have to say, like, when I first saw Ash, I was like, wait a minute. Where have I seen him before? Hmm, <laughs> let me stroke my beard and pre. Oh, yeah, that's right. He looks like Yurio. Like,. Now, of course, the manga precedes your on ice by a couple of decades, so that's obviously oh, but, not well, but the character. The character designs have been updated and modernized as well. Oh, they're not, right, they're well. not totally like drawn straight from the comic or anything. All right, fair enough then. Um, maybe that's more intentional. I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I thought this does seem familiar somehow. And well, now I know. Uh, for me, Mappa is a studio I like very much. Um, they they first came into my consciousness uh, with the like Bahamut anime based on the card game. Um, I think it's uh, Bahamut Genesis, was it? Uh, like in well, I only know I only know Half Stone and maybe a push, you know, Uno. <laughs> Uno I <yeah>. don't know. <laughs> this is this is an anime Uno, right? And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Cheryl's voice actress is voice acting the draw four as you do the wild um <laughs> but no so and they did uh was it last year that the sequel to that came out uh virgin soul bahamut uh that was pretty good um and the garo uh, the no. garo the garo animations as well i really liked um based on a tokusatsu property garo but there's especially that first garo the animation is really fucking good um but you know yuri on ice and now banana fish uh, we have Hiroko Utsumi directing this wonderful show. Uh, you may know this person from Kyoto Animation. Uh, hmm. She's a Kyoto Animation uh, alumnus and bringing all that uh, experience from things like Kaon and Hyoka uh, and Haruhi to uh, this production. And she is a, a reportedly a big fan of the romance in, in Banana Fish. So that could lead to some interesting things as we'll get into because this is not a straight... Like immediately from the first episode, even though the plot details I don't think change very much, there are some, some things that are different. Uh, some we'll, modern touches, yeah. Mm-hmm, we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> we have to now talk about Hiroshi Seko who you may remember as screenwriter from 
Darling in the yeah, Franks. Say it, say it. <laughs> uh, but Good. but a screener hire for some decent episodes of that show. And decent. Mm-hmm. Decent. Mm-hmm. Are we talking relative? No, no, no. No, let's move on. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that piece of shit for at least another couple of days, and then we're going right. Get my point. <sighs> so, uh, but Seko has done, you know, his series composition credit for this, and uh, he's done a lot of other things that I really like. Mob Psycho 100. Um, yeah. Kabaneri, Attack on Titan, Ajin. Um, it's been in a lead creative role. Um, and some things that I haven't seen, like Seraph of the End, but that I've been curious about. It looks like... Never heard of it. It looks like <laughs> kind of trashy, but like fun. Um, yes, we can I'm down cannot... some garbage. But Grizz, you're right, uh, Grizzly. We cannot escape from the trash. That is... A absolutely the case um we're trying we're trying but you mentioned the character designs um and you know if you google the manga you'll see that they're quite different um than the anime i i don't really like it when people use the word cartoony to describe character Mm. designs because that seems incredibly generic to me but like i'm struggling to come up with another word to describe the old um the old designs. Thank you, Zap. Seraph of the End is, is very trashy. It's suspicions confirmed. <laughs> um, um, animated, perhaps, like, you know, um, energetic. I mean, I'm, I'm immediately not thinking of anime. I'm thinking of, like, you know, the old uh, Looney Tunes, Tom mm-hmm. and Jerry, etc. Et you know, there's a lot of movement and such, like, is that the kind of thing you're thinking of? No, just as a general uh, look. Because, like I said, I, don't, I haven't read any of it. I've just really looked at a couple pictures of the the character designs but the new ones are uh, akemi hayashi designs and hmm. she let's look at her character design uh oeuvre uh has done character designs on th- these angelique oavs and the hmm. one that actually that now that i read it i'm surprised did not hit me over the head with similarity is uh she did the character designs for dokusei the movie and a movie I haven't seen, but I, has come highly, highly recommended to me. Um, let me add that one. Well, I've got the whiteboard here. Let me add that one to the list okay. too. Like, okay. Doing this. It's another. There's, there's, many, there's many reasons I brought this with me today, folks, and it's not just for visual gags. Um, so that one uh, is another uh, boys' love romance. Um, and a lot of people, it came out the same year as Yuri on Ice, and one Jimmy Gnome said that it was actually the superior gay boy romance. So, there you go. I am firing someone else's <laughs> hot take at you. Um, <laughs> there's a little anime called Fruits Basket that people, it's not little, people remember that very fondly. She did the character design to Fruits Basket. Um Oh Jesus Christ! Now I'm sad because yeah, she did I the... knew it. I knew it. <laughs> like when you start when you start looking at stuff like this stuff, it is like putting mind sweep. But and sometimes you will land on that mine. So oh, man. On, man. throw it out there. Tell us where. Tell us the turkey. Tell us where they cocks it up. <laughs> Peacemaker Kurogane. I've not seen that, but I'm going to take yeah. that. Your, I mean, your expression right now, like if you're a balloon, you'd be deflated. You really do look like. 
you do look like you're dying a little now, bit. Now, now to so, be to okay, be, let I will me, definitely let me be watch fair. it next. Then. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, let me be. Let me be entirely fair about Peacemaker. Um. So, I watched it a long time ago. The very long time ago. Uh, I was mm-hmm. I was kind of a different person, and so that may have uh, influenced how I felt about how the story turned out. Which honestly, I just can't remember the details of. I just remember my reaction to it being pretty negative. Um, mm-hmm. And also, the problem with it was not the character designs. In fact, that's what drew me to it. Like this was back in the day. So, so you how far uh, removed we are from the moment I watched it. This is when I picked out anime based on like key art and character oh, designs dear. alone. <laughs> so I was no, like, "Oh, no, samurai! They look cool, <laughs> and they they did look cool." That's a bad idea. Um, ap- apparently, so Zapper Infro says that um, she was uh, ex Gynax, which I see because she has a Diebuster credit for character animation. Oh, okay. And uh, she uh, is one of Ikuhara's. Uh, decide, uh, the yes, the prehistoric times zap. Yes, very. Yeah, old. that's that's Thank when you. that's when Doc was getting his uh, anime from you know cave painting, <laughs> you know deep deep in the Pleistocene. Me and Plato hanging out watching the first anime. Isn't that isn't that basically Fermi Rome? Yeah, well, pretty well, much. Really, that's Rome it's, rather than Greek, yep. but close enough. My biography. Mm. <sighs> Simultaneous drink. Um. All right. So we signed that perfectly. We did. We're good. We've we've done this together a few times, maybe. Uh, all right. So, Shadon, will you uh, regale us with a brief summary of what you have just watched? Banana Fish Episode with, 1. A perfect day for a banana fish. With pleasure, my friend. So, um, a lot happens in this episode, which is probably the most, like, you know, silly thing to say, but, like, for an opening episode, like, it's very fast-paced, possibly a bit too much maybe for my taste. I don't know. I get the feeling that maybe this is something the manga handled better because it's something that you more deliberately read slowly. I don't, I don't know. Um, but anyway, we open in Iraq, the most bestest holiday destination on the planet. So this is off to a flying start here. Got a couple of US soldiers, you know, hanging around a campfire, and they're saying, you know, we're going to be going back in three days' time. And I'm like, well... You had to tempt fate, didn't you? You had to go and say it, like, three days, and I get to go back, and I'm honestly surprised that someone just didn't literally, you know, pull out a photo of, like, you know, their girlfriend and their son at this point. So one gentleman whose name is um, Griffin comes back, and he reaches for one of the rifles that are there at the campfire. And what follows is he cocks the rifle and starts shooting everyone. Another gentleman named Max manages to disable him by shooting him in the legs with his own pistol, but Griffin, at this point, has already killed three of the soldiers present. And when he's been disabled, uh, Griffin, sorry, Max, I mean to say, and his colleague come over and ask, what the hell are you doing? Why did you shoot all of us? And Griffin just responds with two words, banana fish. Now, cryptic. This is... <laughs> Also, what on earth are you... Never mind. Uh, is, I'll leave you to... This str- is my son. My good future son, Trunks. <laughs> Say hi, Trunks. Fair enough. Uh, I suppose this is as much for his education as anyone else's. So, yeah, Banana Fish is the... It's a scary story. Term. He needed to be with me while you told it. 
<laughs> so banana fish as it will turn out later is not actually the you know the thing that he wants for his last meal before he gets sent to the executioner's chair for doing that uh, this will have a different meaning at least point and then we get to new york and the opening bits of this new york sequence just made me think that we were going to be watching an anime version of deus ex i really thought we were going to like you know jump to the docks and just find denton there saying you know that the terrorists have blown up the statue of liberty but that's not the case i'm afraid um but so, uh, we, did, we didn't ask for that so no we did not <laughs> no we did not so ash um this this lad here who looks like yorio is walking through an alleyway and he finds a gentleman who is dying bleeding out and this gentleman also as he's dying hands him something and says banana fish now this isn't revealed at that particular point but does come about later in the episode mm -hmm. and as it turns out two of ash's own henchman because he's a gang leader had actually you know beaten this guy half to death and then fully stepped because he does die late so like, you know it's a, it's a steady progression just starts off like half dead and dead and ash berates him you know for going against his orders because he didn't want them to do that but it turns out that this was on the orders of someone named dino uh dino also goes by the nickname of pap because, as always in Warrior Desho tradition, we do somehow inexplicably Another... link all of our fucking anime together. Another I mean, Papa. We can't help it. Every single thing we watch is linked <sighs> to the next in some way, just by a common character's name, usually. And it's starting to get pretty scary, I'm not going to lie. So, Ash, of course, thinks to himself, right, I'm going to go and find out why Dino overruled me. And he goes and visits him. A couple of discussions here and there between the characters. Um, we get an idea of the power play here between Dino and Ash because they are supposedly meant to be equals but there's a lot of body language in this actual episode that says very differently particularly of how Dino approaches him like Ash might be a free spirit he might play by his own rules but there's also very evidently you know a lot of behavior on here that suggests quite the opposite at least in terms of his relationship with Dino uh, we also meet uh, one of um, Dino's henchmen was his name Marvin? It Marvin, was, wasn't it? yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marvin, who is, uh, uh, who, is um, who is gay, but not that Marvin gay. <laughs> also, I think, such... like, I think by the way that, like, so now you've got me wanting to call him fucking Yurio. Ash, <laughs> <laughs> Ash <laughs> thinks that you know his group and uh, Dino's group are equals, um, and I think he's sort of under a mistaken impression in that sense yeah Just it might very well actually be a thing for him that he desires but knows instinctively is not true because to give he, you guys perspective he might believe it's true but but i mean who who knows doesn't make so it so though you know yeah but um, it's, it's speculating but like he's definitely yeah. like the plaything of dino it would seem to mm -hmm. me yeah exactly um, it's no coincidence, by the way, that later in this episode we do see Dino stroking a cat. And this is not, as it turns out, a, you know, Ernest Blowfield reference from James Bond, but rather it is, you know, a metaphor for Ash himself. I mean, Ash links Wildcat, Dino's got a cat in his hand. He is, he is Dino's pet. That is the, you know, the allegorical thing there. That's the metaphor for it. Not regressively, you know, the James Bond thing. Sadly. Maybe that'll happen at some point. <laughs> next time ash next time <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly what 
how do you keep doing these good impressions, Doc? It terrifies me. I mean, if you just cut your video feed out now and just had a clip of, like, you know, Dr. Claus stroking that fucking cat of his, I wouldn't believe it was anything different. I thought I'd be on, you know, Discord with Dr. Claus himself, which would be terrifying, but awesome. But fucking awesome. So, okay. Um, after a bit, glossing over a couple of characters we're going to meet here, um, yeah. but after a bit, the item that Ash received from this dying gentleman... Um, looks like a bullet on a chain so it looks like just a you know a piece of jewelry but as all you know good bullets on chains are one speed it's also a capsule that contains a white powder so ash of course is not rock stupid and he recognizes that there's a common element here you know the banana fish uh, comment that was made by the dying man and also by griffin and at a back alley doctor that he knows who patches up his men uh, ash uh, asks him about powder and asks him to find out what it is. A later scene uh, introduces to Griffin, who, as it turns out, is actually Ash's big brother. Now, this is the common thread here, and this is the mystery conceit of the show thus far, which is what is this mist- You know, this white powder here? It's not cocaine, it's not heroin, and it's certainly sure as shit ain't personal non-bio. So, what is it? And what did it do to uh, Griffin? How did he get, like, you know, how did he get hold of it? Why is it now suddenly here stateside when it was previously in Iraq? So if there's one thing I'll say just right now is that opening episodes of, of shows, generally speaking, need a good hook to get you in. And this has a couple, actually, as it happens. And one of them is, of course, the central mystery. I mean, we have the human factor, if you know it, destroying Ash's older brother, so it's relevant to him. It's not just some mm-hmm. random schmuck that he doesn't know or care about. So that's... A really good start, actually, for the show to get you engaged. It's probably one of the more intriguing opening episodes I've seen since Yatam and Night. That's that's high <laughs> praise. That was a fantastic opening episode. Uh, Yatam and Night's opening is best than Banana Fishes, but Yatam and Night's opening was literally the textbook example of how you do it. So being relative, this is still pretty good by its own measure. So this is all going on. Dino, uh, of course knew that the gentleman in question who had died had this capsule. So he obviously knows more than he's laying on to the audience, which is to be expected. I mean, we're not going to, you know, find out what this super wonder drug is at this particular point. It's not going to turn out to be, you know, God, what was that thing from Scanner Darkly? Crap. I should remember this. I am a Philip K. Dick fan. Fuck it, you know what I mean. It's the red yeah. tablets. Right. But yeah, it's the, it's the... Yeah. So anyway... <clears throat> I can't think of it either. <laughs> so, Old man brain. Dad know- brain. Dino, of course, you know, asks Ash at some point, did you get anything from the man? And Ash, of course, just fobs him off. But Dino's not rock stupid and decides, okay, I'll have his room turned over. Doesn't find anything, of course, when he, when his uh, henchman gets back. And Dino, of course, still pretty savvy. This guy's pretty up there. I mean, he's the Baron Harkonnen of this particular show right here. He's, you know, he's got a lust for younger lads. And on top of that, he's also actually pretty genre savvy. So he knows full well that Ash is actually hidden it somewhere. So he decides, okay, the best plan I've got then in that case is to go have Marvin turn Ash over, beat the crap out of him and get the information out of it because he knows full well that that capsule's gone somewhere. And Marvin already is a bit of a hate boner for uh, Ash as it happens anyway because Ash just takes the piss out of him constantly. Um, what next? So separately, completely separately as it happens, uh, there are a couple of characters who arrive in New York um, doing a documentary of sorts, a photographic docu- documentary um, for an article 
on New York gangs. Can I just say, like, when they oh, when they came in, I I was so like, who who the hell? Like, what are they doing? Like, I thought <laughs> I, I I first I thought they were undercover cops, and I was like, you dudes are the worst undercover cops. I've <laughs> yeah, ever I know, seen. I know, and, I know. I like I laughed my ass off when those three entered the bar. They they could not have looked more out of place if they were hell's angels in a fucking nunnery seriously oh. but that was that was that was deliberately amusing though i really enjoyed that yeah so I did these too. these three um include a young lad named is it ag or ig i'm, I mean, I'm my japanese ag mm-hmm. okay fair enough i mean my japanese is shocking so i apologize <laughs> profusely to anyone of you know the a- nippon dialects who i have offended ag okubura sorry no you're good you're good ag okubura and uh, I don't right, know. That's good. That's good. I don't know who. I don't have the names of his associates. Did they give their names? Um, I think they did, but Shini- ultimately it doesn't Shinichi. really matter because yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It ultimately doesn't really matter because the person that we're interested in for the for the story is Ag. And mm-hmm. um, so they're all in this bar, and they're here, of course, to meet Ash. Um, Ash, you know, he bobs them off a little bit. He is very cocksure of himself. At the same time, he doesn't want to really, you know have his face photographed, he only wants to answer kind of indirect questions. AG, as soon as he spots him, is infatuated with him. I mean, the, if you've got a gaydar, it's going on. So that happens, and then there's a couple of scenes in which they interact, in which AG actually shows a surprising amount of confidence for someone who is, on the face value of this first episode, um, Ash is polar opposite. Like, Ash is pure confidence. Ash is, you know, brass balls, I don't care, you fall in line behind me, you do as I fucking say. And AG is, well... He is, he's very, you know, typical reserved introvert high school kid. You know, he would never be caught, like, you know, out after 10 o'clock, after curfew. He wouldn't be, you know, I mean, he would think that a sugar rush is illegal as far as, you know, overdosing goes. He's pretty, he's pretty plain and straight, you know, he's a well-rounded, nice lad. And also very boring. Yeah, he's a good boy. He gets, he's a good boy. He gets so mis- he's a good mistaken. Boy. He gets mistaken for a kid. He looks very young, but he's nineteen. Yeah. He's actually older than Ash's apples. Ash, by the way, is seventeen, 17. and he's already got all of the gangs <laughs> in New York under his control, apart from, of course, Dino. Stone Cold um, they make Killer. It, yeah, they make a very specific mention that that's including all of the gangs of different ethnicities in his mm-hmm. as well. Do you think? You know, I mean, if you play GTA, even then, like you know, they had like you know gangs drawn around ethnic lines, and that's true in real life. So. AG, of course, pretty smitten with him. There's a scene in which, you know, uh, Ash is shown to be very proficient with a 0.357 Magnum. And AG, of course, says, can I, can I hold your gun? Gun. Gun, 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 gun. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's this, I mean, well, it is a, it is a gay cr- crime drama, so you can read into that a number of ways. Let's just hope that let's, well, let's just say let's hope that Ash is not firing blanks. So... Oh God! <laughs> I'll talk. I'll talk more about that when we get to our talking points. For sure, for sure. Um, so after that, though, um, Dino, of course, has decided. Yeah, I'm going to send Marvin and his cronies in to go and work Ash over and tell me where the fuck my Coke is, or my not Coke, my Super Coke, whatever the banana super fish drink is. Yeah. yeah, wherever my super, wherever my super quiz is. And oh, should we point out the JD Salinger reference? Oh, we should, yes, because uh, no, Banana Fish is not the name of the manga that the author came up with when they were roosting around in their fish, uh, fridge thinking what they wanted to eat. It wasn't quite that simple. 
This was a short story that he wrote in 1948, published in The New Yorker. And I've not read the actual text, but we read a plot summary, and uh, it's pretty fucking depressing. <laughs> and it bears, yeah. a lot, it bears a lot of similarity. It, like, so when Dr. Meredith talks about the legend of the banana fish in this it's it's different like he's not when i first watched it i was like oh he's just calling back the banana fish story here but in the story something quite different happens it's about a a war vet who has suffered some trauma and has like psychiatric disorder has mental Mm. health problems who has like a very weird conversation with a girl i'm gonna spoil this entire story for you and uh they have a strange moment and they talk about the banana fish and he feels sad for them and she doesn't. And then Mm. he goes back into uh, his condo where his wife is sleeping and takes his own life. Um, I don't know if tonally that's like, you know, that is a a canary in the coal mine, if you will, for this show, but I think it very well could be. So, so buckle up for some, some bad ends. Yeah. This is, this visual novel is only going downhill. Yeah. Yikes! But I, I mean, I'm hopeful of how it will, how it will handle everything. I mean, it seems to have a yeah. handle on drama, if nothing else. Yeah. So, I've, while this is all happening in the bar, of course, Marvin and a couple of his fellow goons uh, invade, and this is the point where the show just cranks up to eleven immediately. Like, okay, it's been fast-paced so far, but we've had otherwise fairly simmering kind of drama-related stuff. A bit of power play between characters, understanding people's positions. But then, of course, like, you know, the guys invade the bar, start smashing it up, start kicking off with everyone, and Ash is just cutting through them like a hot knife through butter. It's not even funny how good he is at fighting. So while this is happening, IG is like, you know, his like exposure to this criminal underworld is actually quite gradual. I mean, I know that sounds strange that he's going to a bar where, you know, all these, you know, people are probably tooled up. Are gonna... But I mean, to say, like, he literally has a fairly normal conversation, apart from, of course, asking to handle someone's gun. Wink, wink. Um, and then next thing you know, bar fight breaks out. You know, it's almost like it's the Wild West, but no one's playing one of those antique pianos in the corner. And then he's caught behind a bar and he's about to be knifed by someone. But then uh, Shorty, uh, Ash's, you know, friend uh, who's... 10 i guess short like, shorter no no okay you're thinking so shorter is the purple mohawked fellow who mm. is about his age that has a bike the kid oh, uh is skip yeah, kid, yeah. skip that was who, our thinking of sorry i got the names so, yeah, who, skip by the way, skip fucking rules skip i will i will cool. hear i will hear no like disparaging of skip in this yeah in this i agree venue. I will I will skip your complaints about Skip. In this right house, we appreciate Skipper. <laughs> I'll drink that again, my friend. Um, so, whilst this is going on, um, Skip and AG make out through a um, secret passage. They go out back to the street level. But unfortunately, uh, because it turns out one of Ash's gang members, who I think his name is Arthur... Um, yeah, that's who, correct. Yeah, with the wild Dio haircut... Um, he, he, you know, has, you know, he has it in for um, Ash as well because Ash apparently shot off his fingers previously. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. Like, in case you were curious about, like, you know, how much we, how we should feel about our protagonist, I mean, this guy is chaotic, fucking neutral to the core. 
Certainly not good. That's cold. A cold motherfucker, I think, is an appropriate way to describe him. Yeah. So he's been feeding Marvin information and also setting up this, you know, attack on the bar. So he knew full well that that exit was there and was waiting for them. Yeah, they've joined. They've they've joined together. Uh, There's they're going to be a coup, right? Like Marvin's mm -hmm. been told to rough him up, um, and he will do that. He's been told to keep him alive, which he will technically do. He will walk away from a, you know, beaten and decrepit uh, Ash, who Walter will then walk up, presumably, and, you know, put two in the back of the skull. And Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. But, of course, AG's been swept up in all of this. So he gets, you know, spirited away into a car that's waiting with Skip, and they're taken away. And Ash, you know, after cutting through another couple of, you know, folks like he's fucking Jet Li or something like that. I mean, honestly, I felt like I was going to start hearing Papa Roach songs just for how good he was at fighting them off. Sorry to bring that particular old band up. I mean, you weren't a fan of the Limp Bizkit references I made previously, but I'm afraid that that's the music of my generation, my friend. Sorry. God damn it. I got nothing. I got nothing. So I've only got water here. I don't have... You can't do that to me right now. <laughs> I am terribly sorry. Excuse me while I enjoy this delicious ale. Mm, mm, mm. <sighs> right, anyway. Now that I've stopped rubbing salt into Doc's wounds, unfortunately, I mean, I should have been drinking tequila. Um, now, they, of course, are being taken away by car. Ash pursues on Shorty's motorbike. And... It's been established in early in the episode that Ash is a ridiculously good shot. So from a long distance away of about 25 oh, yards, if not more, yeah. he plucks one of the guys through the weir- rear window of the car. And Jack. the guy was sat right next to <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jack got Jacks. He got Jacks right through the skull. And AG is like there, sat right next to him, sees him, you know, ble- bleeding everywhere. Raspberry Jam is all over the upholstery. It's going to, you know, I mean, Fuck, what was the name of that guy from Reservoir Dogs? The one who keeps appearing on those car insurance adverts. I should know this. I'm so it's wolf, funny. His name was. I, no, wolf. I thought of, yeah, I thought of uh, Pulp Fiction, not Reservoir Dogs, the cl- the uh, the cleaner, the wolf. Oh, who, that's who I was thinking of. Whatever. Again, like, again. <laughs> it's funny. It's, my... it's Marvin that gets killed in the car in that one. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, was, they have to take it to Tarantino over. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I want them next episode to to take it to Harvey Keitel. The I, w- I would be so laugh. happy with that. But yeah, it's gushy, like blood's gushed everywhere. IG's like, you know, well, his innocent young mind has just been shattered. I mean, Christ, I mean, I get the impression he would flake out watching his first R-rated movie. If yeah. he turned Google safe, if he turned Google safe search off, he would be a gibbering <gasps> wreck. I mean, he's having, so, he's having to kind of manage himself by saying, okay, this is really happening. Stay here, stay in the moment. Um, because I think he mentally just wants to like disassociate, totally escape. Yeah. But I think he just knows that that is the uh, will not ensure his survival if he does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am taking the Mickey here, but at the same time, it's entirely reasonable for someone who comes from that particular walk of life. I mean, he's from Japan after all, so kind of low crime rate. You know, they've got different problems over there. I mean, it's like he was saying, so, Tim. Like, you're carrying a real gun in public. You know, not allowed. <laughs> not allowed in Japan. They only nope, have replicas. Exactly. 
And uh, they do manage to get away, though, the rest of them, because, of course, at that point, they've got out of um, Ash's range. Drive off, a couple of phone calls made, Ash pursues on the motorbike, episode over. That's it. Yes. Yes. Whew. Boy. A lot happened, right? A whole bunch. Yeah, exactly. I think exactly. so. Uh, someone said uh, in the chat, uh, it was uh, Mirror said that this episode was the entire first volume of yeah, the manga. And usually, and typically, like in adaptations I've seen, those episodes will stick closer to chapters than mm-hmm. entire volumes. So it's a lot of material. Um, yeah, I mean, so, by comparison, um, because I've watched it and also read the manga, Land of the Lustrous, the, se- the season of that is 12 episodes, and that covers just five volumes. And when I say I mean, I actually mean more four and a half. Mm-hmm. Broadly speaking, it's three episodes per volume. And so if you're thinking a single volume into an episode, I did mention before this episode felt very fast-paced, and that almost was to its detriment a little bit, because a lot happens, and it feels like you're trying to keep up, like, we're coming from one scene to another, and everything is important. I'm not saying that, you know, in other shows that, you know, there would be dead air or anything like that, but it's a question of, you know, scale and relativity here. Like, some ep- some scenes in some other shows, like, you can just kind of kick back and enjoy the moment of just a brief, quiet character drama. Uh, not in this one. You have to be, you know, buckled up, sat the fuck down, shut the fuck up, and watching throughout the entirety of it. So... I have to say, like, with my instruction there, I probably did gloss over some bits and bobs here and there. That's okay. Um, this is, we, we want to try. To, we want to try to keep the summaries now. They're, they've been very detailed on past stream of thoughts. I think our, our goal will be to try to streamline those as much as we can. So we'll, we will transition from our previous verbosity into more of a, an economy of words. If, but, um, so we'll glo- we'll gloss <laughs> over. <laughs> same, I'll do my same, best, same here. I'm gonna hold my hand up. But yeah, okay. no, um, no, we'll gloss over things. But people in the chat will help us out, and people on Twitter will ask us uh, questions. Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stream of thought. We'll streamline stream of thought. I see what you did there. Uh, all right. So, talking points. Uh, part of the new format is. Instead of, and I tried to keep quiet as much as I could during the summary. So instead of like breaking down every little scene, we want to each talk about three big things from the episode. Um, and they could overlap. There could be some weeks where we have the exact same three things. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to hear us talk about more stuff, like get in the chat, get in Twitter, you know, ask away, and, uh, and we can address that stuff as it comes up. But, For sure. So my first talking point is related to what you were just saying. And I want to talk about the pacing of the show because yeah, I, it was incredibly tight, like you said. Um, it keeps you on your toes, but I don't think it actually gets too hectic. You know, you had mentioned mm-hmm. that you thought, like, okay, this is possibly to the detriment of the show. Possibly. And... I felt like it went right up to that line without going over for me. And I think, you know, I my bias in this area could be that I am quite, uh, like, I, I've seen a fair few, as I said, like, mafia story type stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think maybe genre familiarity might have helped me kind of find some, some grounding there. Like, 
almost like you can almost kind of put these different characters in their roles just based on their visual design. So yeah. you're not like having to, at least I wasn't having to like process a ton of stuff in terms of like meeting all the new people. That wasn't part of it. Like the only, the, mm-hmm. the, the tight pacing, as you said, was to do with transitions, location changes, uh, picking up what is happening based on context clues in the conversations. You know, I mentioned, I thought AG and um, his associates were undercover cops because the first people they met, I think they were the police. Um, they were at a police station. Yeah. And so I was like, well, here, I mean, I guess they're undercover cops. I don't, I don't remember hearing this as part of the story, but okay, I'm gonna go with it. Um, but th- this, this could be, um, and media is hard. There's a fine line. This this could be thought of, I guess, as <laughs> the kind of extreme show don't tell. Like you you might think like you can go too far uh, mm. in terms of not having a show not say like, "Hello there, we are here, the photographers for the magazine in Japan to take pictures of the gang." Yeah, that you know? would be pretty dry. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like yeah, I mean, obviously there are better ways to do it, but um, well they did um, they did that in the actual episode because they actually had you know Ash asked them you know who the hell are you guys and like we are photographers like Ash doesn't know the police guy probably knew ahead of time because they were meeting him already so again good use of exposition there to deliver the role across get it from what you know people who know to the people who don't in story and that keeps it efficient totally totally so that's that's my first talking point is I was a real fan of the pacing and. You know, uh, there's a lot of material to cover, and people think mm. that they're going to try to cover all of it. Um, and if that's the case, then I hope that they do keep up uh, the brisk pace by and large, because I was a fan of it. Yeah. I think for me, um, I I wouldn't say it was a black mark against the show, but I do get the feeling that because everything is important, super important, it's going to be a case of I fear I might miss something. That's going to be borne out over time. And, you know, one of the nice things about this new format here is if there is something that I am wrong on or that I have missed out that people would feel is important for me to bring up, uh, I would very much trust you guys to, you know, pipe in and say, yo, chat, you're wrong. You need to say this thing. <laughs> so, yeah, please, please whisper, whisper my direction if I miss a bit. But I, I, maybe this, maybe this is growing pains as well for me personally. I am. Um, so we'll see how things go, but I do feel like, you know, what I was not so much struggling. I was just like, whoa, this is a bit bumpy here. This is like, you know, all over the, sh- this is all over the shop. I'm mm-hmm. switching from scene to scene very quickly. Like, you know, we've got hard cuts from like different times a day. There's no establishing shots usually of like locations, literally like, okay, here we go. One location to the next and that's it. But it's not terrible. I mean, at the end, like, you know, if the actual concept is interesting, which it is, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. But for me, it's like maybe stayed a little bit too much on the you know overly quick. All right, before you get to your first talking point, I'm going to break in with Twitter poll. A Twitter poll. Were you? Da, 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 da. I'm going to put it on Twitter now and ask: Were you a fan of the pacing? Instead of typing, well, we put a Twitter poll <laughs> up on Twitter. Yeah, Woo! that's all right. Please proceed with your <laughs> with your first talking point while I make the poll. Alright, so this is a technical element, but this would be the camera work and the animation. 
So there is, for me, like, they do a very good job in this episode, I think, of framing characters using particularly, like, how close they are to the camera to, you know, for particularly important or intense scenes. Um, this is especially true in later on when we have Ash, like, you know, we get that close-up of him as he gets a revelation. Uh, one particular shot that I was very uh, interested in was um, in the bar. Ash is sat at said bar having a drink because it's a bar. Surprise, surprise. He wasn't, you know, fucking reading the newspaper there. Um, the bar itself is on a raised platform. And we have a shot here that has AG here and Ash here. AG is like down here. And Ash is a little bit higher up because of the platform. Also, he's sat on a stool. And I really appreciate this camera work in this direction just for establishing the relationship as it stood at that moment in that, you know, he's literally looking up to the guy. Like, he idolizes him practically from the moment he sees him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, can I play if you've got it, et cetera, et cetera. So that was some really good use of camera. I, I imagine that is probably lifted directly from the manga, to be quite honest, with that position. I mean, I when I... It's not out at the moment because I'm a lazy bastard, but in Land of the Lustrous, like I did mention a lot of times about how they lifted um, certain important scenes and certain iconic visuals from the manga directly into the show. But that's good. That's part of what, you know, adaptation is about, is recognizing when you have quality content and just putting it in as is. You don't necessarily, you know, need to change everything just because Mm. you can do. So on top of that, like, the show's animation, for the most part, early on, is very... It's not slow on its own, but it's slow swaps like when the fight actually kicks out, it's incredibly fluid. Like fast cuts, quick pacing, you know, a lot of like movement from Ash particularly is kicking people out, roundhouse kicks, punching everything. So I was also, yes, Zap, they were definitely raising the I I got that's great. I'm I'm drinking Snap. That's the Don't you shake your head. Don't you shake your head, you I <laughs> Hmm. Ah, fair enough. Thank you for the uh, heads up on that, Zap. That's much appreciated. I've so, heard I've heard people. Um, so Zap talked about the original layouts. I've heard people say that they were kind of drab or washed out, and I don't know. I was kind of into them. Like, you know, the setting of the show. I don't know. Well, I shouldn't spoil. <laughs> I shouldn't spoil talking points. Well, I'm sure one of us will talk about the setting. Um, mm-hmm. But in in general, what did you think of the of the modernization of it? Like, the fact that... Were, were you aware that it was meant to be set in the 80s? Not until you sold me off cast. Um, now, I, I knew, of course, it was, you know, an adaptation of a previously existing manga that had been out of print for a while, so I could at least gather that it wasn't, you know, a new thing. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate the attempts to modernize it a little bit, you know, the introduction of smartphones. Uh, they actually use this as a plot point in the episode. Uh, not a major one, mind you, but they do it because... Ash tries to track um, Skip's phone by right. GPS, mm-hmm. which obviously would not have been a thing in the manga. Maybe they had like a location device. I'm doubtful of that because these are, after all, street kids as opposed to you know having the wonders of modern technology in their hand. So, for me, I think that you know when you're translating something to a modern time, because it's not a period piece. Like, the, like 91 Days is a period piece. It's specifically around mm-hmm. the era of prohibition. That's why it was, you know, Sarah there. We didn't see, you know, um, Angelo, uh, you know, whip out a fucking smartphone and post on his Instagram that he just murdered half the, you know, the mob family. Good so, memory to take out the name. I I'm, forgot. Su- I am surprised as you are, honestly, like that. 
I thought that would take me at least five, maybe ten more hours for me to remember. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I think that, you know, like when you get the opportunity to make changes like that, that make sense in the story, but also make it more contemporary, um, it is certainly welcome. Because this is going to sideline into the other, world talk, well, the other talking points I have, which I'll get to in a bit. But yes, this is a gay story. And if there's one thing that I have learned from, you know, meeting and talking with people who are LGBTQ plus online is that social media for all its sins is actually, you know, very beneficial for connecting people. Um, so I'm very curious to see if they'll make any more use of that. I mean, while it's not an adaptation, um, the transition from going from Persona 4 to Persona 5, where they made more use of social media to actually help fuel the plot was actually very relevant. So I'm curious if, you know, the, the, the guys doing the adaptation of this are aware of the climate that we're now in and the kind of, you know, demographics that would be watching this and interested in it and see if they're taking more advantage of, you know, firstly having, you know, your phone and then, you know, seeing if they can make that relevant to the gay experience. I don't know. We'll see. But mm-hmm. I'm at least glad they've got that set as a foundation there and they've actually already thought, so, okay, not only have we actually put smartphones in here, but we can also think of ways we can include them in the plot that don't detract significantly from the original material. I'm curious if you know how do I say um, that if technology and social networks will play any role you know what I mean at all like or hmm. if the modernization will be as little as possible details, details around the surface to not frustrate people you know maybe because the the director is like this is not meant to be an 80s yeah. story necessarily i don't Do you... know i mean be, because uh yeah i mean it's interesting there's a lot of it, like things about about ash and his character that i find extremely intriguing uh to see mm. where they'll go um but yeah the it was just like the only two kind of tip-offs i had that the setting was not you know 80s new york was the phones and then when ag talked about csi new york which also is a hilarious <laughs> reference i mean <laughs> i'm so like CSI. I'm, I'm like wait a have, minute no, this no, no, show no, didn't doc, exist doc, doc you have no idea how upset i was that when he said that the guy who was in front of him his colleague didn't suddenly turn around and go <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the benefits now of actually doing it on video because I could do gags like that on the fly. Oh my god. Uh, the reason I'm not wearing David my glasses Caruso. is because small, you know, small insights my personal life. You can actually see what's on my monitors uh, on the reflection of my glasses and unfortunately some people I follow on Twitter when I'm browsing on Twitter like to, you know, resweep the old titty. So not having that, thank you very much, just so people don't assume too much. And yeah, I know you're about to burst out laughing. You want to start laughing, you fucking do it. <laughs> I, will resume. I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. You'll literally, you'll, you'll, you'll be talking, and the next thing you know, I'll just be there, like wearing my glasses, and I'll be fucking, you know, Skasha from Face Granddaughter, dressed in a fucking swimsuit, you know, and it's going to be ridiculous. Like, Shaz, do it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's just the people on my Twitter. It's the people on my Twitter that I follow that are the problems, not me. I swear. Keep telling yourself that. Hand on, hand on heart, <laughs> man. Zap, I. 
Yes, there has always been CSI. You're right. It, it has always existed and will always exist in perpetuity. It was on the same K-Paintings I mentioned before. <laughs> Even after humanity is gone, CSI will continue in some form. Um, okay, so my next talking point then, uh, now that we're done talking about about bad crime shows, let's talk about a good crime show some more. Um, so... I want to talk about, I guess we'll get really into it here. I want to talk about uh, Ash and the things that I find intriguing about where they could take his story. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not a super, like, happy story. It's it's not going to be. I don't think, I mean, his life has not been good, and I don't think it's going to end well for him if I had to... Yeah. Put my cards on the table here. Did and... he smile even once during the episode? I get the feeling the answer is no. Or at least there's no, a very he, strong possibility he, of he, a no. He did. Uh, he smiled like when he was putting one over on Dino and said that he didn't have the banana fish. Ah, uh, there um, we go. He gave him that look that was just like, you know, ha, fuck you. Um, so, but no, not in not in a tender way. And I think, like... So there was a really good anime feminist article about this first episode where Vry and uh, Caitlin talked about it at length. And I think mm-hmm. they make a lot of really good observations that like, you know, stuff is in the episode and, and you can tease out their observations from only having seen the first episode. But I think because Vry at least has read the books, she's mm-hmm. able to um, extrapolate better from the things that are laid out in that first episode. Like, and it's hard for me to, because I mean, there's just like so much other stuff going on. Like we said that it's hard. You don't have time to process fully like, okay, Ash was forced to be in, in porn videos when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I like, it's like I said before though, like when Marvin makes that comment about, you know, Ash being in videos, I was fairly confident it was not his let's plays. You know, I didn't think he was starting a series of playing God of War, the modern, but you know, the modern one, and you know, commentating over it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I could infer that much from it. That it was not, you know, the PG thirteen, you know, family friendly variety of YouTube video. Totally. And so, Vry made the comment in her essay that, uh, or in her, it wasn't an essay, but in her write up. That, like, because of what happened, um, Ash has a lot of internalized uh, Mm self-hatred and and internalized homophobia, um, despite him being a gay person. And I think, you know, we talked about off-cast how, like, maybe maybe this show, despite it being uh, an 80s piece uh in terms of when it was written like could be could could be resonant uh with this because i mean you just hear so many marginalized people internalize the the bias the prejudice the hatred Mm. uh, that is directed against them they especially you know when you're young and it's hard to process that stuff healthily you know, yeah, and, and I mean, after all, um, Ash is only mentor slash father figure that I am aware of so far in the show. With the 
possible exception of the back alley doctor is of course Dino. And we've already established what Dino's relationship with Ash is in that Ash is his pet. Not, you know, his son, his surrogate son, his mentee. You name it, nope, he's as much as a pet as the cat on his lap. Um so I I'm very curious to see to see where this will go, you know, because Eiji is naive he's very sweet um i think he will probably strikes me as like a much warmer person mm-hmm. i mean just from his conversation we get with skip um you know he, he seems quite a different person from uh from ash in terms of his yeah. personality and like exactly will he be able to soften ash will Will he be able to break through all those, you know, calcified yeah. walls that he's put up inside himself? Like, will he be able to get through that self-hate? And yeah. will, will Ash be able to, like, be intimate with another yeah. person? Something to mention in reverse, though, is that, you know, sure, like, you know, going into... I mean, I've done it before when I was younger, you know, under the same context. I wasn't then kidnapped, thankfully. But I have been to, you know, bars and such when I was much younger when I really shouldn't have been. And there is something, you know, intoxicating about the idea of going somewhere where you're not allowed. And, well, what are you, what, particularly in that time period, would you have not allowed to be if you were gay? And that is to be openly gay, you know, to be embrace your sexuality. So there's a lot of metaphors and parallels you can already read into this here, you know, about the very acts of doing so. So as much as you might say, you know, that, you know, Ash is going to, you know, have his, you know, heart warmed up for once rather than being a lump of dead coal, Angie's going to get something back as well. They're going to have like a middle ground in which they'll meet, in which they can, you know, be both intimate and soft and sweet. And also, again, you know, Ash will bring to the table that element of, you know, hard-edgedness, you know, resilience, strength, you know. So they will, I would expect, and I would hope, gain something both from each other, because they are very much the opposite, you know, two sides of different coins here. Mm-hmm. So that, the lines are already fairly well drawn on how this will play out, or how you might expect it would play out, mind you. I mean, I'm sure there'll be curveballs along the way. But, you know, having Ash having someone, you know, he can be intimate with, someone he can let his guard down for five minutes with, and in turn, Age, he will get back, you know, the ability to maybe, you know, become more confident himself, more, you know, able, gain more agency, you know, maybe, you know, have some of that softness sand away, because at the moment he's currently so, you know, he's so naive, so innocent, so sweet. Unfortunately, if he was in New York for you know a couple more days, regardless of what happened to Barron, so he would have been devoured alive. Yeah. So, you know, they will both get something out of this. They'll both, funnily enough, kind of meet each other in the middle in a number of respects, both in terms of them, you know, changing their personalities over time, and also just you know, growing to you know become closer to each other. That's how I see it turning out, mind you. And I'm sure people you know who in the in the chat who have read the manga are probably there, like you know, I'm gonna smash the keyboard now and say you're wrong you're full of shit uh, but we'll see how it goes we'll mm-hmm. see all right hit us with your with your second talking point well i was actually going to bring up the whole gay thing well okay. that's already been you know that's already been discussed at death so um god you, you you got well i can i can throw mine out there uh if you if you need yes, time please. to think of another one so it's related yes, it's this is related to what what you were just saying um and it is like i think that the fact that this was written in the 80s is significant 
um, an important oh, hurdle for people to keep in yeah. mind. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, and so we talked about Mappa and Yuri on Ice, right? And uh, I don't think that this... I mean, this could be a hit in everything. It's not what I mean. But I don't think that the relationship between Ash and Eiji, the, the romance, will be... Uh, I don't expect it to be unless the director makes some changes, like, as textual. Um, because... From everything I've read and heard, again, not having read it myself, but from everything I've read and heard, like it was mm-hmm. way more common for, you know, manga dealing with this stuff in the eighties to to code it because for whatever yeah. reason yeah. uh gay stories, boys love, Yahweh wasn't like uh it it couldn't be the sort of centerpiece of a story. It couldn't be the main focus uh mm. like like it can be today or even you know recent times this is what i read uh and so it is part of this crime drama and even though like having said that a thing to keep in mind as well is that a lot of the romance will probably be subtextual um yeah you know you talked about the very like blooming obvious point the the gun you know can i see your gun mm. oh shit he never lets anyone see his gun you know uh that stuff but um i have to i have to say if you're gonna make that point though like it is mentioned by uh, skip that the gun is sawn off at the end and i'm just like i'm not touching that Shadon. <laughs> no don't don't touch the gun please don't touch the gun <laughs> but uh, the other thing that springs to mind is uh, when Eiji um, and Skip are talking and they're speaking and, you know, speaking very reverently and uh, praise, they're praising Ash. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of you see Eiji is kind of flushed and he's complimenting him and it looks like, okay, this boy is pretty attractive to, to Ash Link's but it's all done uh, under the umbrella of being drunk. He, you know, mm-hmm. he never drinks. When he gets served, he's like, what? This is alcohol, you know? And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. So he gets drunk pretty quick. It's and just so, a rum. Of course, it's just, it's a, a, rum, rum, just a rum and coke. And so, like, he's, you know, saying things that, like, can be excused the next day as, oh, I was drunk. Like, so, so I think a lot of this is going to happen. Um, I, I would expect it to, but I think it's it's like a product of of its time, and this is why yeah. this is why I'm curious, like how modernized the show will be, because you know if you're going to moder- modernize the technology and everything, like will you go the next step and make the romance much more textual? Then I think you have to start like taking apart the story and different different yeah. scenes in the story and reconstructing them. So. I mean, there's yeah. everything is at play. I mean, we just don't know how it will go. Um, yeah, I... Man, like... I'm just going to stress here, folks, by the way, just so that you're aware of the perspective that I'm operating on, and this applies to Doc as well. I mean, I wouldn't normally why I speak for him, but I just feel like it's appropriate for me to bring it up at this point. Uh, we are both cishet. So any statements that I'm going to make about, you know, a gay perspective here are entirely, you know, what's the word I was going to say? Like, conjecture. There we go. They're entirely conjecture. 
I'm not going to pretend that I can speak for, you know, someone who is gay, lesbian, bi, etc., etc. I can only speculate on here, so take everything that I'm about to say with a pinch of salt here. Yeah, we're coming at it from well, an outsider's perspective in terms of yeah. being an outsider to that community, for sure. Very yeah, good to um, keep in mind. Yeah, it's something that I think is just worth bringing up when we discuss media like this, because mm-hmm. certainly we can have a, a partial understanding of it, but we can never have the full understanding that it otherwise would be. So, all right, with all that out of the way, you are correct in that, you know, there is the modernization of technology, but there are still attitudes that don't die, quite die out. Um, for example, with Ash, um, you could read it, you know, his behavior as him being, you know, held to a masculine ideal, like, you know, he's the leader of a gang, he shoots guns at, you know, he exerts his authority, you know, beats people up. That's a very, you know, traditionally masculine construct there. You know, alpha male example, I mean, is, you know, after all, Ash Link's the wildcat. So he's got a title behind him that does, you know, exude that. <laughs> Uh, Ash Links, by the way, I mean, I know Links is actually name. a body spray. I know Links is a body spray, but I really thought that was like, you know, going to be the next one. Like, Ash Links, the volcanic <laughs> spray. Oh, <laughs> uh, by, uh, yeah. By all Poor Hulk and Poor Finn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, there is that. And I think that perhaps. Maybe, and again, I am speculating here. I'm conjecturing because I'm not. In, I've never been in those shoes. Not now, unless something drastic changes. And probably never going to be. But I, who knows? Who knows? Like who knows? Maybe. Oh, anyway. I. So yeah. Uh, you know. No. Nope. I. Okay. So what I was going to make was continue. Continue. Technology does march on, but sometimes attitudes do not, particularly you know, on in individual locations. So, I mean, I don't know whether or not this is true of the actual story in terms of like what the manga can knew at the time. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not mistaken, the 80s were the time of the AIDS crisis in the United States. Was that right? Um, gosh, that was like I should, ring, I should like... know this. Like, it's certainly I feel like the 90s. I was hearing about it, you know, because having lived through it, I'm sure it was you know, like, there were a lot, there was a lot of, like, fear-mongering and stuff like that about it in yeah. the 80s, yeah. Per, you know, persecution, you know, and um, vilification of gay gay men, particularly in that time, because of that. Now, whether or not Banana Fish will ever touch on that, I am doubtful on it, but maybe that facts is the context. That, of course, is not going to be the case here. Well, they they the kept the city the Wait. same, though. I mean, despite this all the, the modernizing, sort of, uh, that we've discussed, um, the setting yeah. still looks like 80s New York, and it's fucking rad. And I'm so yeah. happy they did that because I love the way it looks. I love the fact mm. that Shorter has that that freaking like goddamn dated mohawk. Like it's he cool. looks like he looks like one of the mobs from Streets of Rage. He does, yes, or uh, or Duck <laughs> Duck uh, from uh, <laughs> Fatal Fury, um, the DJ, uh, uh. and like the. Um, the fact that uh, someone tweeted about this, I apologies, I forget who, but uh, the fact that uh, Ash had his uh, flannel shirt tied around his waist while he was like kicking dude's ass in the bar, they're like, mm-hmm. "This is cool. Welcome back." Shirt being tied around the waist. <laughs> the classic. You can't follow a classic name. Thing, you know, fashion is cyclic; it will come round again. So it's actually accurate that it's now back. But to go back to my original point, 
perhaps that attitude, you know, of things being subtextual because characters can't express it openly is still a thing for, you know, people who are learning that they are, you know, homosexual, that, you know, the gay, bi, lesbian, etc. Maybe that is still a case of people. I mean, I, again, am speaking from someone who's on the outside looking in here. You can insert your own stained reference here. That's the second crappy 2000s new metal reference I made in this stream, and I'm going to keep doing it. Just you fucking buckle up, right? Okay, so while Doc is, you know, dying and, you know, his soul is evaporating from his body, uh, the point I was going to make is this, that I... Things have gotten better from what I've seen for, you know, LGBT plus representation, pride, you know, openness, etc., but it's not quite there yet. And certainly an environment involving criminality, I would imagine that maybe that's still not the case. So... With the whole idea of modernization, you know, the technology and stuff, makes sense. Why would, you know, we're not going to see, you know, fucking Ash running around with a pager. They, you know, they're obsolete. They're the Betamax of, you know, instant messaging. They're gone. But maybe the attitudes could still be present in certain places. It's not implausible that people would act that way, that people would, you know, still feel unable to, you know, be open with their own sexuality in that manner. Both for the case for Ash and for Eiji, because bear in mind Eiji comes from Japan, one of the most sexually oppressed countries on the fucking planet. So, I don't know. I'm not going to answer this conclusively because I can't and don't feel qualified to do so. But it's, to me, at least, it doesn't seem implausible that, you know, maybe the attitudes that are presented here should stay the same because it might be the case that that's true for people living here today, you know. I expect a high volume of gay boys in this show. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's sort of going to be the, the norm uh in in banana fish which i'm totally <laughs> i'm totally down for totally okay with um well can i make a broader point about actually you know what it means to be cishet but watching the or reading or engaging with material that is lgbtq plus just no, you may not well fuck don't, you i'm gonna do don't it ask anyway. me yeah <laughs> go for it go for it all right so let me explain from my perspective why I think it's important that, you know, or why people who are cis kind of still enjoy that material. Because I think the core idea, uh, appropriation of it or, or not, you want to read it, is that, you know, accepting and being proud of your sexuality is being proud of a part of yourself. It's embracing your true identity. And, okay, I'm not even going to pretend that, you know, that's a thing for heterosexual people that it's difficult for them to be proud of their sexuality because Jesus Christ, I could point to a thousand and one fucking things in modern society, you know, that champion heterosexuality, just like media, you know, advertisements. How many times do you see like, you know, heterosexual celebrities like, you know, wearing like boxes and shit like, okay, you get my point. The way the world is designed, we don't need to jettison that into the sun. <laughs> yeah, but that being said, there is still value for reading material and engaging in material with this that is about embracing your true nature. That's the core message. Um, so while it is admittedly going to, you know, not quite translate and also, good God, what are you doing? Right, never mind anyway. Um, while it is ultimately not going to, you know, hit us home, home as much as it would for someone in that situation. I mean, I did read My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness recently, and it was great. I really liked it. But I'm never going to pretend, you know, that it would ever affect me as much as it would, say, you know, someone who was a lesbian who had been in similar suits. Like, I saw some overlaps for sure, but, like, you know, I'm a cishet guy, so I obviously can't be in the same thing. The, the, the clue's in the fucking title. So there you go. So that being said, though, I think, you know, for people who are cishet, engaging in LGBTQ plus material is rewarding, not just for giving you a perspective 
on a world that you ultimately will never be a part of because it's still, you know, I mean, Kay from Anime is lit. God bless her soul. She's awesome. Um, our anime expert at the moment. God damn her. How dare she? I so mean, I'm jealous. Side, I'm, I'm on the other side of the pond. How the fuck do you think I feel? Okay, point being, um, she actually once said something that stuck with me ever since we did the Delman Crybaby podcast, which is... I know what you're going to say. It's not, it's not good to treat queerness as being unknowable. It's not helpful. So, material like this, you know, Banana Fish and stuff like I mean, we'll get a good crime story out of this for sure, but we'll also probably get a damn fine gay romance. And you know what? As a cis-set guy, I'm totally down with that. But the very simple fact that, you know, all stories are about embracing your true identity, embracing what makes you good and happy and whole... They are universal. Won't give me the whole effect, you know. I won't get the full hit of it because of my, you know, makeup as a person. But I can still appreciate that core message, and I think that that's true for everyone. Totally, absolutely. Right, collecting my well check said. now, and I'm off later, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over. All right, uh, <laughs> not not quite. Um, so now we're going to keep with our tradition and rate the episode out of five uh i myself am going to give banana fish episode one it's a is what is it called oh a perfect day for banana fish Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna give it four (laughs) right i know i need to do i know i need to do four packets of uh powder acquired from a back alley doctor out of five for nice many many reasons i've stated that i love oh we didn't even talk about the the fantastic uh battle at the end in much detail but that was that was some good that was shit, great man like high intensity kicks uh, into high gear immediately like the moment that kicks off like it did not cut stop and that God. was fantastic i mean bam fight shoot punch dodge escape kidnapping like motorcycle theft it was it was fantastic um but that uh all the intriguing characters that were set up the fact that this is not like handholdy like i like shows that kind of keep you on your toes and force you to pay attention and and drink them in and i think grizz mentioned uh in chat that uh watching every episode twice is beneficial like for that reason you know, because you want to you want to see everything that it has to offer and catch everything it has to offer. Um, but I love the art design, the music. We didn't talk about um, mm, the yeah. mu- the music. By the way, uh, in the show is by sexual. Uh, no, the music is by uh, Shinichi Osawa. Mm-hmm uh damn fine um stuff throughout uh the music let the uh osawa only has uh ninja slayer the uh the trigger ova uh or ona rather the the net animation uh on their cv so um, i apologize for showing my bald spot there folks i was actually filling this in so i can show you my story um <laughs> too close too and i close. and i agree with mirror here uh i i hope that they maintain the high bar of animation um there should just i mean but even like even before the fight right like even just uh ash getting into bed 
or climbing on the motorcycle, like those things, there was a level of, of fluidity and detail that I really enjoyed watching. And, and yeah, I hope that they keep uh, the quality up. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that they will have plenty of like talky scenes, lots of drama, intense conversations where there doesn't need to be a lot of time spent on the animation mm-hmm. so that they can really like power pack the, the fight scenes uh and nice. make those make yeah. those good so uh let's hear let's let's hear and see what you have with your with your rating well there's just gonna be c no here well i i, I kid i kid so uh please excuse the awful hand right but i'm gonna give this episode a oh yes a six start i love a it. six start yeah i love that's it. that's what it is so for me like when we cover shows like this when we do the first episode it's obviously not going to be relevant for me to talk about the long-term game because it's ultimately going to be speculative for a lot of it i mean we did of course discuss potential ways in which the story could go but for meriting this episode on its own what i tend to look for is how much it hooks me in because that's the duty and responsibility of any first episode i mean you have the free out you know the free and done rule for anime but the first episode is the first impression you've got to hit the ground running and it's certainly you know it actually is the best thing you know for it not to be the best episode of the show because then of course it's all downhill um also our stream appears to have died be- oh, no it's back that's good yeah the uh, the video went weird then for some reason i got some posting uh, sites i'll tell you why it was because in looking for a certain window i accidentally started filezilla and it was trying to connect to a server and so i shut that shit down Oh, good. We, well, I mean, we made the joke with James Beckett recently about the whole idea of having an innocuous folder called accounting reports or taxes. So I hope that doesn't pop up on stream for you there, Doc. <laughs> That's... Don't know what's in that folder. Uh, but to <sighs> the, point, the, point, the point I was going to make is that like, the comparison point I made earlier was Yasmin Knight. The podcast we've done that is not out yet. But Yasmin Knight's opening episode basically had everything I could have ever wanted as far as an opening episode goes. This comes close we have a very strong central mystery. What the fuck is the drug? What did it do to, you know, Griffin? Uh, we have, you know, an opening, you know, a planted seed of a romance or a relationship. We have personal stakes. We have just the, the threat of Dino and the mobsters. There's a lot of different things here. And it ends on a good cliffhanger, like, which is literally that AG and Skip are being driven away to parts unknown to meet a possibly gruesome fate. By the way, 20s big band, Dino and the Mobsters, visiting local jazz lounge <laughs> near you. <laughs> nice, nice. So, on top of that, it was just slickly produced episode all around. The pacing, for me personally, was a bit too fast, but I, you know, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. So, yeah, a very promising start to this show. Thank God for that. And I'm very interested to see where things go next. And lastly, just little touches again, like, you know, the whole bar thing, you know, you know, Ash being on higher than that. Nice use of direction, camera angles, etc. Like things that, you know, help give a show and give a story texture and more meaning. They're always, you know, things that I can praise. So, yeah, um, 3.5 out of 5, solid start. Next week, I'm in for it. All right, I'm going to check in really briefly on early voting for the Twitter poll. 71% say that, yes, they do like the pacing of the first episode. 29% agree with you, Shadon, and say no. Team sh- hashtag Team Shaden, let's go. <laughs> we can bring it back. Well, well, 
Just trying out there, Doc. Just trying out there. Uh, all right. So with that, I think we can wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that much shorter than our usual stream of thought, but that's okay. It was really fun. Uh, I hope it was uh, enjoyable yeah. for you guys. Um, let us know how we succeeded or failed, how we could improve. Yeah, but any any feedback is welcome. If you know you think that I'm turning into a raging alcoholic by doing it on stream, I'm happy to say that. Or if you want to talk more about the technical aspects or what we discussed, you know, I think this should be shorter, longer. Any feedback is welcome. We're always happy to have it as long as it's constructive. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you very much to everyone who stuck around for mm -hmm. um, this episode. Uh, we're going to make it available after the facts, of course, both as a bod, and then I think we're also going to then translate it somehow into podcast form, so we can yes. put it on there, probably in an unedited format. Um, I mean, it was about the same length as our usual stream of thoughts, but the nice thing is that because we're doing this way, we're also not having to edit it. So I'm not having to spend, like, you know, hours cooped up in front of a, you know, a monitor, you know, yelling about how much I hated a particular show that we'll not talk about anymore. I mean, this is, not. this is a huge reason why I thought it would be a good idea to do this is, I mean the editing load you've had you know i mean i just did it for 10 episodes with um mmo junkie you've done it for 24 episodes i mean i've filled in once or twice but you've done like you know t you we will have done literally 22 of the episodes and that's a lot of hard work and i want to give you your free time back <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah hey don't raise up it's weird looking at my face in the morning as well so, god you're bald Sorry, our faces are weird. Zap. <laughs> oh, it's, it's all right. The last, the last. No, I know. I, I know what you mean. That's me as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I know. I know what you mean. Like when you've been hearing someone on podcasts for a while. The other day, like, so I listened to um, the Weeds. It's a political podcast, and I really enjoy hearing Matt Iglesias talk. Uh, I saw his Twitter profile picture for the first time. Very weird doesn't have a weird face but it's just weird to see the face of this person that i listen to all the time doesn't look like i imagined so i mean doc, i mean poor with, doc went to a cop when he saw my face for the first time i was actually terrified scares a cop as dog <laughs> thanks for watching and listening everyone if you're catching a replay um yeah this was really great uh Shadon, where can people uh, get mad at you for bad banana fish opinions? Uh, they can't. Fuck the lot of you. You, you, you. you ain't doing it. Piss off. No, I kid, I kid, I kid. You can find me at Shaden1010, that's 1010 on Twitter. You can also hit me up for the usual Wari Desho Twitter account as well. So do feel free to send, you know, thoughts and such my way. In fact, because I'm nice like that, and because I have a keyboard here. Oh, something's well, happening. That's just, Typing. That's the thing. It turns out that YouTube will not let you post web addresses in chat. Thanks, YouTube. Oh, uh, it let me do it because I'm the admin. I put the Twitter poll link in there. Do you want me to post something? Uh, if you just post links to my Twitter and also, you know, release your stranglehold on the, you know, what, <laughs> when did you become a stream dictator, man? This ain't fair. <laughs> uh, we must maintain order above all else. Not with me around. If there's not order. Nothing. We have chaos. Which I'm down remember with. Remember it. Um, but yeah, feel free to hit me up on there if you, if you want to chat about anything whatsoever. I'm always happy to see, you know, shoot the breeze. Um, but yeah, I will also echo Doc's com uh, comment here to thank everyone for joining us uh, with this inaugural episode of Stream of Thought Season 3. 
where live, unfiltered, nonsensical, the best kind of way to be. So thank you all very much for joining us. No, no. I saw that hand gesture there. Well, my own uh, self-effacing humor aside, I did enjoy this. Oh, I've got played that myself. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Um, my own Twitter, if you want to bother me about Vanifish or other anime uh, or, you know, video games, visual novels, hip-hop, Japanese professional wrestling, uh, is at the subtle doctor. Uh, please reach out. Uh, and you see on stream there the link to the Waru Desho Twitter, SoundCloud, and email box if you want to follow us in other places, uh, see our stuff, um, or get in contact with us. Um, I am gonna let uh, Michael Kelly play us out here. I forgot to play the, yeah. his music at the beginning, but T- TV uh, problems, drawing pains, it's good. Yeah, it's good. We'll remember next time, but for now, embrace each other, everyone, uh, to the ends of the universe. Good night, everyone.